This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. That was a fun game, wasn't it? Hello and welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Hey, joining us on the show today, Sean Zarillo to talk all things Major League Baseball postseason. The wild card round is starting today. And Brad Powers will talk a little college football as we are one month into the season. But first, we have to recap Monday Night Football. And Joe, it has been approximately 10 hours since the conclusion of last night's game. And Daniel Jones is still getting sacked, even to this very second. Yeah, uh, he absorbed 10 sacks on the day, 11 total for that Seahawks defense as as Seattle covers the number. Uh, They win this game outright. The number goes way under the uh, total of 46 uh where do you begin with this because even though this Seahawks defense has certainly looked good already in spots this season it is possible that Daniel Jones and the Giants represent conceivably the worst team in the NFL yeah so the Giants have been trashed since last night but my question is what about last night was surprising to anyone like I just didn't get it we talked about it last week. Didn't understand the market. Giants being the favorite, I, especially in a time when we say home point, it, rather home field is worth as little as we've ever seen. Maybe it's a point, maybe less for the Giants. I didn't understand it. The market was right. It went to pick them. It went to Seahawks minus one and a half. I think it closed two and a half at some spots yesterday. Not even close to enough. When Andrew Thomas is out, it messes everything up. I, the rest of the line is bad, too. They have one of the worst, the lowest-graded centers in the NFL as well. And I know we're in a running backs don't matter era, but when they don't have Saquon, they have nothing on offense. Everything goes through that, dude. Um, and, and I'm not saying that if Andrew Thomas and Saquon were out there that we have a more competitive game. We'll say, as you know, the offensive Giants did have, it was just them matriculating it down the field. I mean, the yards per play was 3.4. Seattle had a 2.1 yard per play advantage there. The Giants ran 23 more plays. Uh, Turnovers certainly did them in, one going the other way for seven. And uh, it was a 3-0 advantage there. But Daniel Jones performing poorly with no offensive line, no Saquon, I didn't find that surprising at all. How about you, Aaron? 
Yeah, one thing that I do find surprising, though, is Daniel Jones reaching a four-year, $160 million extension in March. Like, what are the Giants doing? I get it that their offensive line stinks, but, like, should he have been paid all that money? Like, someone needs to be responsible for that. That is head-scratching to me, and you're right. I mean... I am so glad I brought it up on the show. I was going to this. I thought this was going to be the Darren Waller game, but the number was juiced. So I didn't bet the over. Thank goodness I didn't. I mean, five yards. What is going on? I mean, the Giants offense absolutely stinks. They they got into the playoffs last year. Maybe they were just as lucky and fraudulent as the Vikings. I know that was a narrative, but this is bad. It's really bad on the Seahawks side, though. I think I overreacted to what I saw in the beginning of the season because now you take a look at the fact they have a bye now coming up. This is great. They can get healthy. A lot of stuff to look forward to with the Seahawks team. And Joe Burrow, who after the Seahawks bye, they play the Bengals. Joe Burrow better watch out because this Seahawks defense looks really good. He might be in trouble if you look ahead to that game. But uh, yeah, that crazy with what the giants are doing. They, they just depending on a uh, Saquon, there's most of their offense, obviously not a solution. It's not just this offensive line that struggled in last night's game, but you got to put a lot of blame on Daniel Jones because he was pressured on less than half of his dropbacks. So yes, the, the defensive unit for the Seahawks, they were certainly getting into his grill, but some of those sacks were just Daniel Jones holding onto the ball too long. And so he has to take some of the blame as far as that's concerned. And no one, no individual for the Seahawks it was gaining all of these sacks or all of these pressures. I mean, no one player had more than two sacks. No one player had more than five pressures. Although, shout out to Chena Nuosu, who I think is one of the more underrated pass rushers going in the National Football League. But the fact that it was a collective team effort by the Seahawks, I think says more about how good Seattle is going forward. And Geno Smith didn't have to do that much. He was pressured on more than half of his dropbacks, sustained that injury that kept him out for a series, but not much was expected out of him as they used the short game. Kenneth Walker was leading the way. Zach Charbonnet also kept the offense on schedule. So it's one of those deals, Joe, where, yeah, the Giants are pitiful. We know that. Could they be the mm-hmm. worst team in football? They're certainly in the running for that. But I also feel like at this point, and we will talk about team futures later in the program, but we need to stop this notion that the 49ers are that much better than everyone else in the NFC. Because to me, what Seattle did last night is proof in the pudding. They are capable of being in contention for that division. 100%. I actually have that written down to talk about. Those NFC West numbers that we have with a one-game lead for San Francisco. I know it's impressive what they've done, but maybe we should take a deep breath a little bit. Just take a step back away from this and, and look at what's really changed over the last month. Like The Daniel Jones thing I want to go back to. Because a lot, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, when you have a primetime game, social media, people are going off, 160 million. What were they supposed to do? They made the right decision in in, in declining the fifth-year option, right? Um, you have a positive year with a year-one offensive-minded coach. And I don't think anybody believed, whoa, Daniel Jones is legit. He's a real quarterback. I didn't see that anywhere last year. It was Dayball is coaching him up. He's putting him in a position to succeed. And I wonder if Dayball really wants his quarterback. But do you let him walk? Like, 
you had to make a decision. If you look at the contract, there's an out after two years. That tells me they never believed in the guy anyways, but you earned more time and there's nobody else available right now. I mean, we're not going to make a trade for Aaron Rodgers. The other team in town did that. So I, I think people are overreacting to that. I don't remember anybody buying in and saying Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback in this league. I don't think the Giants are even saying that internally. So I think there's been a bit of an overreaction to that. But I mean, they stink. They do stink. <laughs> I mean, I don't. It was never a ball game. Uh, yardage wise, it was two eighty one to to uh, two forty eight. I mean, Seattle did not have to do much, and they were never in that game. Never in that game for a moment. How many years have we been talking about since Beckham's been gone? that the Giants are looking for a quarterback, a wide receiver. They're adding another. They're drafting a couple <laughs> more. They're adding a couple in free agency. They can't get anyone. And through four games, they still are stuck at one touchdown for all of the receivers. They keep compiling receivers, compiling receivers. One of them's going to break out, and it just never happens. That team has nothing offensively aside from Saquon and Andrew Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I do think Daniel Jones got top 10 money. So maybe no one said he, he was a top 10 quarterback, but he got mm -hmm. top 10 money. For, maybe for there was year. a different way yeah. to do that. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that they could have, you know, tried to find some answers other places to fix that offense as well. Maybe there wasn't anyone else out there, but, you know, maybe they could have treated him like they did in Washington with Kirk Cousins or done something a little bit different. If it goes as bad as it started, I think they're going to draft someone. It's a great mm -hmm. QB draft. And if they end up with a top mm -hmm. five pick, they've got to draft a quarterback. Absolutely, they yeah. do. It, it's a deep class, no doubt about it. And I think yeah. sometimes when you're giving starting money to a quarterback who maybe you don't absolutely love, part of the problem there is, A, when did you hire your head coach? Because you don't want to lose the locker room. And I don't know how beloved Daniel Jones is in that locker room. But if he did achieve something the season before, then it's all about rewarding him, right? And if you don't do that, instead you let him walk or you let him be unhappy or whatever, then that has ripple effects in the locker room. Now, my counter to that is, well, look at what your record is right now. Look at the overall quality of your team right now is. I don't think losing the locker room is the biggest of your concerns right now. The biggest of your concerns mm -hmm. right now is to generate an offense and you don't have one right now. And there's little hope that you will develop one over the course of this regular season. So this whole idea of, okay, we need to reward good players and good performances. Well, so what, you know, that's, that's not working out very well for you. Is it? So that's a problem, but Joe, let's go ahead and circle back to uh, Seattle though, because you know, we both agree that there's still value on them winning the division. I think the, the biggest question that I know we have is, okay, Geno Smith wasn't asked to do very much. He sort of kept the offense on track. That's fine. But right. on, on those situations in those games where he does have to be the hero, can he do that? Is he going to be able to utilize all of the talent around him? I think the most impressive part to me from last night's game is that the rushing attack was more than formidable. It needed to be just to sort of end this game as quickly and efficiently as possible. But the fact that Charbonnet and Walker were outstanding, both in their own rights, that tells me that the Seattle team is very much special. Yeah, and what a bad beat if you had Kenneth Walker first touchdown of the game. 
I no I thought he didn't touch the ground. I thought that was going to stand. I, I had the feeling if they're in Seattle, that's probably a touchdown. That That's a brutal beat. But, yeah, they did stick with the ground yeah. game. And here's the thing. I, offensively, you're right. Through the air, they haven't asked him to do much, and they haven't gotten much from Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, does anybody oh. believe that this is the guy they're going to get all year? I don't think so. We know he's going to improve. That's, that certainly happens with rookie receivers uh, from time to time as they're asked to do more and more in earlier stages in their career. So, yeah, they haven't gotten much through the air. They haven't done much yet. And so I would look at that as a positive thing. And, my God, can this team draft. And then you get Witherspoon mm-hmm. with the pick six last night, and you couple that with the Christian Gonzalez news out of New England and he goes from the fifth favorite at 20 to 1 yesterday to now Witherspoon is the second favorite. He jumped Will Anderson. And I saw it as low as plus 175 for Witherspoon this morning, which is crazy. <laughs> Off of one primetime game, for the most part, one big play, he goes from fifth to second. Does it feel like we're getting more overreaction in these awards markets yes. than years past after one game? Yes. Like, this is like the third or sure. fourth example you've given us, and it's only Tuesday. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what Someone has one good game, and all of a sudden, they're like a co-favorite or the favorite or yeah. the second favorite. It's, it's mm-hmm. wild what's going on right now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's, it's ultimately about buying low, right, Aaron? It's ultimately about finding someone who maybe flew under the radar, didn't have a great game, whatever the case may be, but we know they're capable of doing big things. That's why, like all of our preseason priors, matter so much, so that we can remind ourselves how we feel about things, what the research is suggesting as far as projections are concerned, and after a bad game, that's when you pounce, that's when you find value, and I think that's ultimately how we sort of profit throughout uh, all of these festivities. Major League Baseball's postseason begins today, and this is an exciting time. Like, October might be my favorite month on the calendar. You know, weather's cooling. We're going to have the World Series eventually. Football's really getting going. We've got basketball and hockey not too far down the road. It really does feel like that as far as times on the calendar where we enjoy betting the most, Joe, this is very much up there. I don't know if this is the NCAA tournament for me, but I love this time of year being able to bet on so much stuff. It, yeah, there are a lot of options in it. I wouldn't put it on like my top three betting days mm-hmm. or these, these two, let's say these two days together. I wouldn't put it up there. It's there's not football involved. It's not March madness. Like when you think about what the new year's day bowls have been turned into, that's an awesome day. Mm-hmm. I think the Masters yeah. is very underrated because not yes. only do you get the Masters, but there's a lot of excitement because baseball just started too. Like mm-hmm. that, that's big. I don't think anything touches the first couple of days of March Madness for me. I mean, for it to start in the morning. And the thing about today, if you're going to make the argument that it's one of the best betting days on the calendar is you don't have the top three to four teams playing. So that's kind of 
a damper on it. But it is if you if you sure. want to sit down and watch baseball, you're a big baseball fan. You can do it all day and bet on it all day. Impactful games, like yeah, that's big. Yeah, for me, I had March Madness in the Masters. I'm glad you brought it up because I thought I would be the only one to think of that, but I wasn't. But I love betting on the Masters. I might be the only one excited for NBA opening night. Nuggets, Lakers, Warriors, Suns. I think for me, I love that. It's going to be fun. I like the regular season. I think from a betting perspective, it gets a little tougher in the playoffs in the NBA for me. I saw Rex Byers who's... I was just going to say, well, I saw we Rex always Byers talk about the Super Bowl. Uh huh. Go ahead, Rex. Well, no, we talk about the Super Bowl all the time. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs—that one always stands out to me, Joe. Oh yeah, that's awesome. But uh, this past week started a stretch of football in 40, 54 of fifty-five days, which is awesome mm-hmm. for the. I mean, the two-month stretch is phenomenal. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we look at updated NFL futures as we turn the page to week five. That's right here on the BetQL Network.